Welcome everyone to Watch Your Story. I'm your host Emmanuel Mutui and today I have an amazing guest. Now this guy, I've been, for a while, I've been trying to get him to come to this show. And he's like, no, 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 my story is too crazy, it's too crazy. I'm like, that's why I need to share it. This is, I'm not even lying, for six months. And then the beginning of the year, maybe like two months ago, he was like, I think it's time. I was like, we got to set it up as soon as we can. So, we are in for a treat. It's going to be an amazing show. And without further ado, my guest for today, Ricky Bobby. Thank you for having me, sir. So, I'm glad you finally said yes. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was one of those, I don't like to share my story. Yeah. It's... And feel free. We'll go at your pace. However you feel like the Lord is putting on your heart to share, share. There is no... Okay. Like you have to share this kind of thing. So we'll start from the beginning like we always do. Where are you from? I am from originally from here, Colorado Springs. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, native. Yeah. And to kind of jump ahead, how did you end up in Florida then? How did I end up in Florida? Yeah. I've never been in Florida. Got married in Florida. Florida okay. Or just so, but then uh, never, never, never any of that. So, and, I, and I say got married. It was uh, our honeymoon was in Florida. Okay. That's so. probably what I remember. Uh, you were born here. Mm -hmm. What kind of family were you born into? I was born into a family without a father. Mm. So my uh, mother, she uh, she drove herself to the hospital to uh, to give birth. Actually, took a cab. And uh, yeah, so so my uh, my biological father, mm -hmm. he's been in and out of the picture. I would say, I'd say up until about age twelve. Okay. But he really not not much not much there. How, obviously we know boys growing up, I mean children growing up without a father is a big deal. Sure. How did that impact you? Well, I didn't realize it was impacting me at the time. Okay. Um, at, at two years old, my mother, uh, she, she met a guy. She actually drove or went to Montana, and that's where she met, met a man in, in Montana mm -hmm. named Dave. Okay. Uh, we call him Grandpa Dave. Um, yeah. So she was married to him for eight years, mm -hmm. and he was a sheriff for the El Paso County Sheriff's Department. So, so he was he was my father for the for the next you know ten years of my life. Um, but what I classify him as a father, yeah, that's that's yeah part of the story, I guess. So Grandpa Dave, yes, yes, he, he became your father for a while. Yeah, when you were in this pre-adolescent age, what did you want to do? What did I want to do? Yeah, it was your life. Um, when I was from zero to 10 years old? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's funny you asked me that. Um, I wanted to be a glass blower. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How, wait, why? Why? Thought it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was one of those things I also uh, um, went to a uh, blacksmithing class. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually saw it, it was at the White House or White Horse Ranch or whatever it was. Um, saw this guy doing blacksmithing. Um, so those are two things that I, I really liked. I really enjoyed it as a kid. Um, didn't, didn't think much of it, but, but glass blowing was actually, hmm. I yeah. wanted to do that. So you go into your teens years. And you said Grandpa Dave was there for about eight to ten years. Yes. How was that? When after he departs, what kind of life 
how how are you? Well, I, I'd have to back up and okay. and go to the the eight years that he was there. Um, he was at he was at that man that he either laid on the couch or sat on the couch every Sunday. He'd be watching football Sunday and Monday night football. Um, if his team didn't win, um, that rest of the week would be pretty horrific. Um, he was uh, as a a sheriff, and he became a lieutenant. I believe he retired as a lieutenant. Um, it was all about his career, and it was all about football. And if us kids needed something or needed something fixed, we'd go to him. He would he would basically yell at us, tell us to get out. Um, there were several several times that I can um, I remember where my mother had called me because it was working 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 family. So when we came home from school, there was nobody home. It was just us and my brothers. Um, the uh, she would call and say, "Hey, you need to get out of the house until you get home. Your your dad's mad. If you if you're in his presence, he'll he'll probably get you." Um, so there has been many many a times where he he would he would beat us down pretty good. So um, very very violent man. Um, we just learned not to poke the bear. He was just that that guy that laid on the couch, and that guy was we just didn't mess with him. So if Bicycles were broken. We had to figure it out ourselves. If um, any, it was just anything. So, wow. so up wow. until up until ten, um, he ended up cheating on my mother, um, and he they had a separation. So, so after he leaves, are you relieved? Obviously, you're relieved. But how does that change the home dynamic? Mm, we just kind of dealt with it. I, I won't say it hurt us or crushed us or anything like that it wasn't it wasn't you know we were sad that mom was sad but for us he wasn't even there as a father so to us it okay you know good riddance it was it was no big deal um so how for now he leaves you're already kind of your own man yeah because you've been doing your own thing how did that prepare you or set you up for your 20s oh um, oh, I would, I'd have to say that uh, that taught us to be more self-reliant. So uh, being taught or, or, you know, being an adult at a younger age, I think, is way better than coddling or things like that. So I, I guess God, you know, yeah. used that for, for my benefit, maybe. I don't know. I so can't answer that. he leaves you dependent on yourself, as you said. Mm -hmm. what, so what are you trying to do at this point of your life? What am I trying to do with this? Um, probably, well, I guess it'd be uh, goofing off, playing, doing what kids do from, yeah. I'd say from age uh, 10 to 14-ish. I would, I would say that was uh, a pretty, uh, pretty okay, I guess. We, I mean, us kids, we, we played our video games, I guess. Um, went out and played. Um, did all that stuff. I mean, did you go to high school? We had, it was, uh, that would be in middle school. Okay. Um, that would be in the middle school. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, starting to wrestle, starting to do those things, starting to do the, you know, the athletics things. Um, prior to, um, I've got dyslexia. So that's, that was an issue all through my, my childhood on up to high school. So, 
Um, I didn't learn how to read until I was 16, 17 years old. So, and I say read, I mean legitimately read. I mean, I could pick out things. I memorized basically all the words. So if I saw a word, I could just tell you what the word is. I didn't actually know how to read it. So, but that's how I, that's self-taught. So it seems like most of your childhood, it's all self-taught, all self. Mm, I, I would say a little bit of that, but I would have to say that my father that came into my picture, who I classify as my, my dad, he's yeah. the one who, he taught me a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we go into high school, you learn how to read, you're a sports guy. When does your father come into picture? Father, uh, my mother starts dating again around uh, when I was about 13, 14. And uh, she ends up marrying this guy, and his name is Curtis. And, again, he's my dad. He's, um, he was the, the man, I guess, the, that I was looking for. I didn't, you know, dad-wise, you know, that was always in the picture that never had a dad. So, and the dad I did have was, wasn't really a dad. So, but he, uh, he came into my life, he, uh, he taught me a lot of things. He taught me how to build engines, um, fix things, um, work hard. All, all through my, all through my, I guess adolescence from 14 on up, um, he was there. He was in the picture, um, teaching me man stuff. Now I say that when we did th did athletics and things like that, my parents weren't in the the picture with athletics. I was just one of those. If you want to do it, do it. Um, we might come to a game or two to support you, but it's not really, you know, that, that wasn't, they're, they're more concerned about working and paying the bills than it was what we were doing. So anything extracurricular was on us. Yeah. So. You finished high school. What mm -hmm. did you want to, was there a plan? Was there a plan to finish high school? Yes, there was. Um, through that, from age 14 to, I would say, 18, 19, um, I hung out with this buddy of mine, and we were big into race cars. Loved racing. Racing was one of those things that we loved to do. And that was one of those things that we wanted to keep it going. So in, in high school, uh, we started uh, doing the racing thing and working on cars and things like that. Um, as we got out of high school, uh, we put together some cars, and we were running uh, Beacon Hill and things like that. And then that's, uh, we got into, got into a little bit of college, uh, took welding classes just to help, be help better ourselves there, uh, got into engineering and all that good stuff. And essentially that's what got me into um, stepping up into a higher reality in racing, got into the Winston West circuit and uh, ran in Winston West for a little bit. So nothing crazy. And that's, again, that's nothing high end. It's three steps below. I'd say it's the minor leagues, if, if you'd call that. Really? Oh, wow. So, but it was, it was definitely fun, but it was also um, life-changing. Why'd you say that? So, um, in that year of racing, there was, uh, there was a lot of activities, a lot of uh, things that we had to do. Um, we had 16, 18-hour days. Um, the first first week wasn't too bad. Second week got worse. Third week got worse. It's how do you keep up? You know, you're working with other crew guys, and I, that's where drugs kind of fall into play. Um, 
you know, I wasn't, uh, I had tried marijuana when I was younger, didn't like it, wasn't, wasn't my thing, but uh, when I got older, I found out that uh, speed and cocaine were awesome, and uh, that's what uh, I could, I could work two, three hour days and, and not have a problem. And that's, you know, that was due to the drugs. The drugs would keep you going. Well, the problem with that is, is it takes more and more and more, and you keep going more and more, it's, it turns into a pretty bad deal. And then at the, the tail end of my, I'd say my racing career, um, when I wanted out, um, that's when heroin was involved, and, and I, was, uh, I was pretty messed up on that stuff for, so for a little bit. Before we get there, how long were you in that? While you're in the racing business, oh man! Well, we probably raced, I bet you, from 16 to 23, 24, 5, 26. I would go 10 years, easily 10 years of wow. racing, nonstop racing. Mm -hmm. um, but once you got to that higher end, that higher scale, mm -hmm. um, I was in in the Winston West thing for. It was about eight nine months, give or take. Um, and and at the tail end of that's when the drugs kind of kicked in. Oh, so kinda, the drugs came in towards the end. Yes. Yeah, and, the bad stuff did. Uh, before, so we'll continue there. But how, spiritually speaking, what is God to you at this point? So, um, my father, um, when when I first, I, I always knew who I knew there was a God or whatever. Um, I always prayed to God, but I didn't know God at all as a as a teenager or as a kid or whatever. Uh, been to church, whatever. Uh, but still nothing quite like that. But uh, 18, my father, um, he, he kind of started seeing that we were kind of going into a, a bad direction. Um, when I was 16, um, that's when, you know, driver's licenses and things like that. But, uh, well, we also hung out with, with the baseball team and football team. And one of the things we liked to do was um, on the nights is we would go out and do bad stuff. Um, we would run around and uh, go to, to the gay clubs in town and, and beat up the gays and, uh, and beat them up pretty bad. Um, we're talking a bunch of rednecks coming out of the, out of the in, in pickup trucks, pulling up and back, waiting for the gays to come out. And, and it didn't matter whether it was gays, blacks, Hispanics. It didn't matter. We would, we would whatever came out, we would, we would wreck them and, you know, one of those things we'd have, you know, baseball bats with, with teeth, prints of teeth in them or, or teeth broken off into the baseball bats, things like that. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. Um, we did that all through, through high school. Uh, that was just a, a pastime. Um, prior to uh, 16, 15, 16, uh, going to uh, a gun show and... Um, you know, walk around seeing all the nice guns and all the cool stuff and all that. And then in the back, there's this, this, uh, um, whatever you want to call it, um, where they have stuff. I don't know. Um, but anyways, it happened to be the KKK guys. And, uh, and when they're, you know, it was, it was just a bunch of white dudes, you know, talking and, and they looked pretty good. They weren't bikers or nothing like that. They weren't, I mean, they, they just look like for the most part, normal, normal guys. But of course, they're talking, you know, they, they talk their talk and, and, and telling us, you know, you know the, the white race is a perfect race. And, and it, I mean, it was, it was pure, but, it, but at a young age, I didn't know any better. I had no idea. All I knew is 
um, what our what me and my buddies did, and I was just part of the. So of course, you know, they wanted us to to join that that uh, thing, if you will, and uh, I remember buying some paraphernalia from them, and and one of them was a was this T-shirt, and it was uh, it was a T-shirt of a a clan member, and it had a finger just like you'd see on Uncle Sam, and it was pointing directly there, and it says, "I want you." And uh, I remember wearing that shirt a lot and walking around places where I shouldn't be wearing it and and getting into fights. And, you know, I'd, I would, on a Friday night, on a Saturday night, I would go out, we would go out and look for fights and look for trouble and things like that. So from from 16 on up, got got in trouble a little bit. Um, my uh, My first father who's the sheriff, um, he had heard that I was getting into some trouble. So he wanted to do a scared straight program thing and brought me into that, thinking that that would fix me. And so I spent, I spent the weekend in jail uh, with, with legit criminals and all that. And uh, it, it was kind of horrific, but again, it wasn't, it wasn't, I'm only there for three or four days, who cares? All right, I'll, what are you going to do to me? You can't, you can't touch me. You know, I had that nasty mentality. Um, so did it work? No. Um, I did see the other side of it. Like, okay, that's pretty bad, but I'll never be that bad. I'll never get caught. You know, that's that's how I always saw it. Wow. So, so yeah. So, Man. but but uh, in the process, my father he comes into play, and at eighteen. He, uh, he takes me to this thing called Promise Keepers. Yeah. So, and it was in Boulder. Um, and it was a, it was a three-day three day event. Um, we get there, and, and I didn't want to go in the first place. I didn't find it any, any desire to do it. Um, but I, I do remember that's when... That's when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Um... I remember standing in the stadium and there's 20,000 men and they're all singing. I could feel, I could feel a presence. I, I don't know. Um, electricity. That's probably almost, yeah, electricity in the air. It was, it was the weirdest, craziest feeling. Um, but that's when I asked Jesus into my heart. That was when, when there was an actual change. Um, at eighteen. At eighteen, and that's that was, and I think that was the, the stepping stepping stone. Now, the the thing about that is, you see all those men. You're eighteen. You you leave that, and then what do you do? Okay, you've got all this info. You got downloaded. Jesus in you. Now what? Um, and, then when, and that's when I look back. Now I see that, and and I get frustrated with that that situation. Mm-hmm. But uh. But anyways, from 18 on up, of course, I still continue to do what I was doing um, but just you, because I was saved. Yeah. You know. I, after, even after you're saved, are you still doing stuff with the KKK? Are oh, you, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we're, still, yeah. We're, still, we're still teenagers. We're still doing stuff that we shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, if we're not racing, we're rodeoing. If we're not rodeoing, we're going out causing, causing trouble. Wow. So you did. You do that. You get into the Western Circle for that, mm-hmm. and then at twenty, twenty-six, five there. 
Yeah. You get out, but now you're into heavy drugs. So what yeah. happens after this? So um in that in that process, um I uh I'm I'm kinda coming out of this this bad place that I'm in. Um I've uh I've kinda kicked the the heroin off, which is probably the best thing I could ever do, you know what I'm saying? Um that was twenty three, twenty four ish. Um I come into meeting my wife, um, Brandy. Now, I'm still in that that party, all right, drugs didn't catch me, then I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm off off speed and coke. That that's too expensive. I didn't have the cash flow to to do it. So that I guess again that's God in playing his hand there and saying, Well, you no longer have the access or the cash to get it, can't do it. Um, from there on out, um, I'm, I'm with, with Brandy and the thing is with Brandy is I'm also with two other women. So, and, uh, the, one of the women is she is pregnant with my child named Courtney and, uh, she's about to uh, give birth here any, any moment and I'm messing around with two other chicks. So I've got three girls in the mix um and it's it's a big mess it's it's a crazy big mess um how did you navigate i mean you're still married to brandy did she obviously did she ever find out uh yeah she knows she knows in the middle of all this yeah she knows she knows there there, and there's there's still there's still some things i haven't told um brandy um that they're they're still and one day I don't know we'll see, mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 tough, but that that was one of the one of the deals was uh, Brandy won won out on all that she she just kind of she was the best I mean there's again and God's hand is in that I can't because I, if I would have been with those other two ladies, um, I don't think it would have lasted at all. Um, I've been with Brandy now. Going on, it'd be 20 years. We've been together 22 years. So, wow. so it's been, it's been so awesome. Obviously, you stopped dating the other girls. Yes. And you chose Brandy. Yes. And where were you living at this time? Where were we living at this time? Um, at that point in time, when I was with Brandy and the other girls, um, I was actually living at home on my mother's couch in the basement. Wow. So I've, I've, it was, it was, uh, it was a big mess. Originally, you know, I had, I was in an apartment. We moved out when we we're 18, 19. We moved out as soon as high school was over. Me and my buddies, we got a place and we were good until up until that part. But I, I remember, um, living, living at home. I remember my mother telling me, you've got three months, get it together or you'll be out on the street. I'm not dealing with this. And usually when mom says that, that's legit and you gotta, so, so having strong parents and not having parents with spineless backbones, you know, they, 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 they push your kids. I mean, your kids are supposed to go out and do good things, not bad things. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, three months, it was three months. I did, I believe I did push it to four or five months, 
but that was in the process of buying a house and and yeah. all that and wow. uh, getting getting a place for Brandy and all that fun stuff. So wow, you get yourself a house. What what kind of job were you doing at this time? At that point in time, because of my my racing career, um, I had done I knew how to weld and I knew how to do sheet metal work, and I always skinned. We call it skinning cars. Uh, we would do sheet metal on race cars. Well, from there I got into a uh, it was a local nine sheet metal workers is where uh, where I went into and um, was an apprentice for four years, and from there. Okay. So when did you start your company? Uh, started my company. I want to say it's eight nine years ago. Okay. So that's so I was I was in that company for twenty three years when I was working. Wow. So. And I remember we had a conversation a while back, and you mentioned that you're out of debt and you never want to have want to go back in your mm, day. Yeah. How? Tell me that story. Oh. Uh, so. From 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 buying the house, um, we didn't. Brandy and I, we just didn't know. We didn't know anything about um, what what the right thing to do is. Um, everyone always told us, "Hey, you're supposed to be in debt. That's that's your goal. Um, you know, you're going to have to loan or borrow money or vice versa. You got to do that." So we understood that. Okay, great. Um, at that po point in time, it was back in the 2000s. Um, we had a we had a house in Stetson Hills. It was a nice house, nothing crazy. Um, you know, bought it for 145, 145,000. Um, which now, you know, hindsight now, it's selling for 650, 700,000. So I kind of, you know, those, those are the things you look back and you go, man, what did I do? But having a mortgage and then getting a second mortgage uh then refinancing the first and and combining the first and the second and it's just a non-stop um how many i mean i th i had three mortgages on the house three mortgages on the end of what's crazy is the the loaners didn't care they're slinging money the equity was there all that fun stuff um so so again we're we're upside down in the house so when we get the call from the bank, and, and then keep in mind that there was um, college bills for Brandy, and then on top of me and my lifestyle, I'm used to one lifestyle, and I'm trying to move forward and keep that lifestyle. Um, I've got several credit cards, and, and it was a lot. I mean, it was so much. Um, I look back on it now, and I'm trying to remember exactly the, the amount that we paid off, and I think it was right around 135k, is what we paid off when we were doing Dave Ramsey. Wow! So in that in that process, and and that's again, God's hand is in there. I, I tell you, God's hand's been in my life the whole way through. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was it was a mess. Um, wow. We started paying off all the debt. Um, we kept the house going for as long as we could. Um, but there, there was just a point where we, we talked to the banks and the banks were saying one thing and they said, well, we can't help you if you're, you're not in trouble and, and, and we don't care what you did with the other stuff, but this is, you know, 
And it was it was a it was a big mess. It was just one of those. Wow. You you know. But you paid off one hundred and twenty three. Yeah. That's was, I lot. think it was one twenty three or one thirty five. I can't even remember now. Wow. But it was it was a gob. Mm -hmm. It was a gob. And uh, again, that was one of those. Um, in that process of paying that off, uh, again, God was in the picture. He was. There was times where we would look at our checkbooks and go. Uh, I don't think we're going to make the mortgage payment, or I don't think we're going to make this. And every every month, we always had just enough, or 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 more. Yeah. And it was just one of those where the numbers didn't add up. You could you could, and in those days, I mean, we were keeping track of the numbers. We were pretty focused on. Mm -hmm. So just seeing the the balance sheet, God's balance sheet versus ours, mm -hmm. two different, totally two different worlds. So. On separate topic, mm -hmm. you have all girls. All three girls, yes. From a lifestyle that you're coming from where girls on top of girls, drugs and all that, ain't that kind of funny that God just gave you girls? Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> so hilarious. Um, yeah, I, that's something that I always crack jokes about. Um, being a womanizer, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's the right word for it. Um, I was known for sleeping around a lot. Um, I remember when meeting Brandy for the first time and uh, we were, my buddy and I were driving off and I looked at my buddy and I said, why don't you, uh, mm -hmm. and he goes, you're not allowed to see her, or touch her, or look at her. She is off limits. And I'm like, I'm like, what? And he goes, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So and that, that was something that, you know, mm -hmm. us guys, you know, we wouldn't date each other's girlfriends or things like that and if if a buddy said you need to steer clear of that go get your own which is which is fine um and that was something that brandy was was in our circle when we were racing at the at the tail end um she was there for for two years um and when we got married that's when i completely pulled out of racing yeah. and said okay I'm, I'm done with it i'm not gonna i can't do it anymore Mm -hmm. The hours are too, it's yeah. ridiculous, but yeah, so, uh, so. Wow. So now having girls though, does that make you more, sen obviously makes you more sensitive. Do you? I'm not a sensitive person. I, I, I am so for yeah. reals. Really? I'm a, no. And Brandy can, I am not. Ricky stop. I am so, I kid you not. I mean, there's times where, um, sure I'm emotional or this or that. Um, well, that's something as a dad, I always, I always fight with not knowing what to do. Okay. The girls are crying. Okay. What do I do? Do I go hug them? Do I, oh, I don't want to, you know, there's just, you don't want to deal with it. Um, they're, they're emotional and, and mm -hmm. their world is chaotic and, and I, I just, I lose it. I, it's, it's tough for me. So, so to be sensitive, um, when their nail polish doesn't come out right, sorry. <laughs> you know, there there's so many things. Uh, it's, but but I do believe that God brought girls into my life just for that. Yeah, you it know, definitely softens you there, up. There's that. yeah, for sure, for sure. So let's go back to your journey with Christ because here at the church, we have an amazing men's ministry, and you're a key part of that. Oh yeah, because every it's every Tuesday morning. And he shows up here, well, it's Tuesday at 6, but he shows up at 3 to get the food going. And we have the best spread you'll ever see. Okay. All kinds of meats, all kinds of potatoes. So it's, and that's all you. 
yeah. to kind of spearhead that. Uh, let's talk about that side of things, your journey, your spiritual journey. Okay. Because we've not really so, talked about it. So my sp- from 18 to, I don't know, 26, 28, I'll actually go in. Um, I'll say in my, when I was my 30, 32, that's actually when I'll tell you this, when I became a man. From 32 on down, I was, I was just a, a kid with a checkbook. I was just a boy with a checkbook that had zero, mm-hmm. zero common sense. Um, when we were doing the Dave Ramsey thing, and that's part of Dave Ramsey is, is um, there's a little bit of God involved in there. And when I say a little bit, it's a sprinkle of God. And uh, I remember a lot of, um, we, we started doing, uh, we went to the, the 12-week classes, and then after the 12 week, I, I looked at Brandon, I was like, and part of that 12 weeks was um, you need to find a church. You need to go to church and you need to do that. Um, so during that, that first time with Dave Ramsey and the, the classes, there was a couple that invited us to church. So we went to church and we're like, okay, I guess this is what we're supposed to do. Um, so um, something that m- my father taught me was, you know, if there's, Something that needs to be done, you need to get on and do it. Um, so as we get involved with that church, um, we're doing things here and there and, and doing whatever we can. And and I think God sees that and he appreciates that and, and he blesses us. So that walk with Christ um, started, to, started to mature. Um, and I, I think that's, that, was pretty, that was pretty amazing. I will... Um, it was, uh, when, when we got kicked out of our first church, um, and that's cause we, we decided we're going to coordinate FPU, Financial Peace University. So we did, we coordinated that and did classes for, gosh, I think it was t- 10 years maybe. So we did FPU classes, did them, uh, uh, did three things every year. So that was three, 12 class deals every, it was awesome. Um, and walked with families, helped paying off debt as we we're going through and paying off our debt. Yeah. Um, met Dave Ramsey, all that cool, cool stuff. Um, but yeah, as as we got we got kicked out of our first church, and we of course had to find another church. That was our job. Um, so we came into a, a second church, and uh, we we liked it. It was a good church, awesome. Um, we were there. Gosh, I want to say maybe ten years, maybe maybe eight to ten. I'd have to yeah. double check that, but I'm not sure. Um, but I remember the first. It was about the first three four months. They had a, a men's group, and I was like, "Yeah, all right, men's group. Okay, that sounds. I'm a, I'm a man. Let's do this. You know, I think that's cool." Um, they did it every three months, and it was a and it was a breakfast, and we came in, and you know, and helped out I did a breakfast for it and and that was something that I, I really liked yeah and and I fall back into uh promise keepers you know I had promise keepers we did that but after promise keepers there was nothing else I couldn't keep it going um so here we are at this other church where we do a men's group every three months um it's okay it's nothing great um 10 12 guys showed up Made them breakfast. It was nothing crazy. Mm. Um, I think the the max number was maybe thirty, if it ever got that ever got that big. But um, 
it still wasn't, it, it just wasn't the meat and potatoes. I felt like I was getting bread. I want, I want, I want substance, you know. And uh, we have, uh, we are asked to leave that church. And uh, in the process, and again, God's hand is in that. Um, there's a, a buddy of mine and said, hey, you need to, you know, there's this, this guy who, uh, really cool guy, his name's Steve Holt. And I'm like, wow, oh, that name sounds familiar. I said, isn't that the guy on the radio? He goes, I'm not sure if he's on the radio, but, and, and all through my, my time, um, going through the custody battle with my first daughter and child support and things like that, um, Steve Holt and Todd Hutnell were one of the guys I listened to on the radio. And those are guys that, and many a day they kept me from committing suicide. Um, really? I had, I figured if I, I had pretty good uh, life insurance. So those are, those are things about those that you, you think about often yourself and then Brandy would have all the money she needs. I'd be doing don't don't need me. She'd go find herself a, a rich guy or something. I don't know. But but there was there was several I yeah. Wow. And I and I would say all through even through my adolescence on up, suicide was always something that was always in my head. I always always thought about it. Um I remember middle school or, or elementary school, um you know, that, that kid that, you know, you like that one girl, that one girl dumps you, and then you end up thinking, you know what, I bet if I killed myself, she would, she would think about me. You know, if I left her a note, you know, those kind of things. Um, but yeah, that, you know, you, you, you have that. And then you start, as you get older, you start to justify it. And that's one of those things that, Suicide isn't the answer. You can't justify suicide. That is just, that's a, uh, that's just, that's just dumb. Yeah. It's not even, um, wow. yeah, yeah. So how did you eventually come to the road? So, so we were, I talked to this fella mm -hmm. and he talks about Steve Holden, Todd Hutnell and all that. And we're like, okay. And they, they call, it was called the road. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And uh, showed up, came here, um, and first day was uh, first service. We were sitting in front of uh, Dennis and Michelle Cates, and uh, you know, and, and I was like, and there's this dude, Steve. He's up there and he's talking. I'm like, man, this guy's good. This guy, okay, this guy's like a man's man. This is he's a little short, but he's okay. What, okay, this, you know. Cause you always hear the voice on the radio. You never see the you never see the face, mm -hmm. and uh, and it happened to be uh, the day he was doing his uh, book signing for uh, Worshipful Warrior. Um, no, it wasn't Worshipful Warriors. The the marriage book. Okay. Um, and I'm like, and, and Brandon's like, oh my gosh, you love him. You should get his autograph or something. I'm like, oh, okay, you know. And 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 that was one of those awkward moments. But I remember Dennis going. Um, there's a there's a men's fire every Tuesday, and they called it a morning fire, I believe it was. And uh, he goes, "You should check that out. You'd you'd like that." Um, and you know, he shook his, shook my hand and all that. And, and this Dennis guy is 
pretty top notch. Okay. Um, so, um, we left and, and Brandon and I kind of talked about it and, and she goes, what did you think? I said, well, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm coming back on Sunday. You can come with me or not your choice. And she looked at me and she goes, no, that's, that's our choice. You know, and that's like, and I said, well, what do you think? She goes, I liked it. So, um, that Sunday we went to church that following Tuesday, I went to morning fire. And then that's when I met up with, uh, one of the guys who was making coffee. And I said, Hey, do you need help doing this? And he goes, sure. So I said, I'll be here every morning. We'll, we'll make coffee. And that's how that kind of started. We'll start, yeah. you know, coffee and donuts and things like that. Three, four months later, uh, Matt Wilcoxon comes in and, and he has, a he has this idea of making some breakfast here and there. And we're like, okay, that's cool. And the, and the numbers are slowly growing and all that. And then uh, Matt had to pull out for a little bit and he asked if I could step in and do some stuff. And I said, sure, I mean, whatever I can do to help. And uh, that that's when I started. Wow. I started with, you know, I enjoy barbecuing. And and I was like, oh, well, I'll make some ribs and this and that and see if the guys will dig into it. <laughs> and then it, it kind of it kind of created this crazy monster now. Um, it is. There, there's a lot of dudes that show up, and there's a lot of, a lot of wheels that have to be turned in to, yeah. to make it happen. But I also look at, I've been to two of the two, the two advances or three advances. Um, I want to say three advances now. Um, and, and again, it's to have that, that follow-up. You know, you do the advance, you know, you're, you're with men and you're, you're fighting that enemy and to have that um, spin off into where you're working with guys and talking to guys and you constantly got your brothers with you just talking. And, and I, I think it's huge. I think it's yeah. men need that if we don't have it. And I, and I strongly believe in that. Yeah. So. So as we come here to an end, uh, I want to, last question I want to ask you, and I think maybe this is, Probably, I feel like this is your message uh, to the world. Mm. You said up until 32, you were a boy, and then yeah. after you became a man. What is that? Explain why did you become a man then? Or what is manhood? That's probably a better way to say it. Wow, what is manhood? Um, well, when God, uh, I think when God, puts these things in your path. And I use things, for instance, um, we, I went on my first admissions trip to San Diego. And uh, again, in my past, I, I didn't like gays. I didn't like blacks. I didn't like any of that. And in San Diego, God puts me in a position where for a week and a half with my uh, middle daughter, Bella, we serve um, gays, uh, transvestites, the whole, that whole, that whole community, we serve them food and we make lunches for them and all that. And I got to meet them and talk to them and they're just regular people love God. They're just a little mixed up and God put that into, into my world because I was, uh, immature about that. And 
when my daughter, my oldest daughter, as she turns 18, she, she lets us know that she's a lesbian. And now that I've served in that community and kind of understand them, kind of helped me understand that she's just needs love and she's confused. She knows who Jesus is. I don't have any worries about that. Um, she knows where we stand, but I, I think being a man and, and moving up, I would say it's uh, maturity and, and having that wisdom and having that understanding that those are what boys do. Those are what kids do. This is what an adult has to do. And sometimes what an adult has to do, it, it sucks. It's not a great, it's not a great thing, but, um, because what God does and helps us grow and mature, I think it's huge. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome, man. Thank you, man. Pleasure. You. This has been awesome. Thank you, everyone, for watching this show. It's been amazing. Remember, we all have a story. What's your story? Goodbye.